1: And welcome back, and thanks for listening and making a commitment to learning still. Hope you guys are doing well. I am one of your hosts, Jordan Porter, along with the wonderful Yvonne Brandenburg. Hello. Hi.
0: Uh, Being at home with everyone, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had what? It's still fairly early, and I had six kids here, five kids. What? Five. Wow. This morning. Yeah. I was yeah. say it's, it's before noon your time. Yeah. Dang I girl. Did a gymnastics lesson and you know, some playtime and then I had to kick the kids out so we could do this. So I didn't have another picture like I had last week. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my God. That picture was amazing. If you guys have not seen it, it's, it's funny. Um, we were recording, and I remember you mentioned it. You're like, oh, yeah. Connor's sticking his hand under the door, and I was like, okay. He's but like the picture cat. is amazing, because it's, like, either a cat or a zombie, or I don't yeah. really know. Somebody trying to break in. But, um, yeah, <laughs> Jordan posted that, and it's, it's hilarious.
1: <laughs> he doesn't quite understand the social distancing, or, like, what a shut door means, or, like, when I say, can you just give me a little bit, like, so I can finish something, like, he's well, very attached.
0: How old is he right now?
1: He's five. He's five.
0: Yeah, so... He doesn't get it he doesn't no. understand why you're talking to me and
1: he doesn't get to be a part of it exactly it seemed like <laughs> when I have my zoom meetings with work and stuff like that too he like he'll like just discreetly like pop up in, the, in the picture, <laughs> just the little like, head like hey. yeah <laughs> and I'll just like give us a little wave he loves it right now because with his broken toe I've been like extra like are you okay like I'll carry him around places and stuff like Aww. that and like so he's kind of milking it i'll give, I'll give him that he did tell me he was feeling a lot better this morning like he, but that's because he he so badly wants to like play and not wear shoes oh poor kid dude i know broken
0: toes or that picture dude it was it was black and blue guys it was i know it's pretty gnarly looking
1: he's a a champ though like he's the first night was tough we were up like i said every hour or two for like 30 minutes just because he was crying in pain and i felt really bad and i was like broken toes aren't an emergency like it's I got this. And we called the doctor the next morning. They're like, you don't need to come in, do everything that you're already doing. And I was like, okay, cool.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: oh, no fun.
0: At le- I mean, was he at least doing something super cool when he He did was trying it? to build a fort? Yeah. I mean, that sounds super cool for a kid.
1: Yeah. It's not like the times I've dropped that bench on my foot and I was just moving it to vacuum or something like this. <laughs> oh.
0: where is there like some wood somewhere that I can knock on? Cause I have not broken a toe. I have broken a bone, just not a toe. I've, oh, I've tried to break break a toe a couple of times, but managed to not do
1: it. <laughs> I mean, Ugh. just in the past seven weeks being home, we've only had two injuries and one was me and one was him. So like, it's okay. Two broken bones in the past seven weeks. It's fine. Not, oh, that's right. I forgot you did too. Yeah.
0: See, this is why we, we can't really <laughs> have, like have free time on our hands. We injure ourselves.
1: <laughs> Dude, I know. I told my boss. He's like, so how's everything going? I was like, we need to come back to work. I was like,
0: oh my we're God, hurting. we're
1: hurting ourselves.
0: Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Cause right now we still have a ton of people out of my work. Mm. Um, and so we really are, we're running on this skeleton crew and, um, this is very random, but anyways, uh, yesterday, I don't even know. I think it was it yesterday? No, it was the day before yesterday. It was, it was Friday. Um, things were just really getting to me and it wasn't anything big, but just like, it was like the straw that broke the camel's back. Mm -hmm. And, um, I totally had to go outside and I like sat by my car and I was just like, so frustrated and I was almost crying. And I was like, what, what is wrong with me? And I was like, Oh, right. Stress stress can do this to me cool yeah so yeah I I definitely had to take like a mental break for a couple minutes enjoy some sunshine because it was like 80 degrees 85 degrees here which is crazy because I know there's places right now that have snow
1: which blows Um, my mind because
0: yeah it's like 80 here and sunny I was out on the boat (laughs) yesterday yeah because it's end of April we're recording this on Sunday April 26th Mm
1: -hmm. and yeah it's like 80s low 90s here Mm -hmm. beautiful it was was beautiful yesterday too the water was like glass and like we actually caught fish yesterday and it was i saw saw... that picture (laughs) i was like jordan's definitely a fisher person (laughs) yeah and we saw we saw so many dolphins one slapped its tail at us Uh,
0: oh my god dolphins i love dolphins yeah it's crazy um we haven't done it in a while but we live really close to the monterey bay the monterey bay but um they do a lot of like fishing or not fishing they do fishing but uh whale watching trips and it's really cool to go out in the bay um and see the dolphins and and the humpback whales and it's it's so much fun I've, kevin and i have done that a co- like well kevin done has done it once and i've done it a couple times but you also see dolphins and dolphins are amazing
1: dude i would love to like go whale watching sometime plus you guys have otter- well i mean we have otters too but like the sea otters oh yeah they're yeah. so cute <laughs> i love See, it See, yeah we have river otters but they're like nocturnal and like i've seen two mm. in the past 10 years that i've lived here like they're very mm. i don't know but i love seeing them because they're my favorite animal yeah when uh because i i
0: love the monterey bay aquarium it's a little bit of a drive but it's not not horrible, but like all around there, we'll see like the sea otters just hanging out. Like it's, they're so adorable. Yeah. If you guys ever get a chance to go to the Monterey Bay Aquarium, it's amazing. Um, I think, I think it's like the Mm -hmm. reference one in a movie. What is it? Oh yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. Uh, If you ever get a chance to, yep. Finding Dory. Um, it's based on, it's based on that aquarium, which is really cool. Um, but yeah, we love we love going there when we can. I'll have to come animals visit. are amazing. And I can't wait for these places to open up again because they're not open right
1: now. <laughs> I know. I know. My kids are like, when are we going to go to the zoo again? I was like, at this point, like, never. So I, you know, like, anyway, <laughs> so we did have a couple of shout outs last week. Matt is probably like our number one fan. I love him. Yeah. I want to like give him this
0: number one fan, like sticker somehow, like a little. I'm like, sure. Yeah. I don't know how to do this. <laughs>
1: Why don't, we should just send him a sticker. Send him one of our stickers. I don't even have one. That means I have to get some. <laughs> we'll have to get some stickers and then send them one.
0: All right, Matt, we're going to figure something out, and then
1: we have to figure <laughs> out how
0: to get it to you. We'll come up with
1: something cool. <laughs> anyway, since yeah. he's a big supporter of this, he posted that he was watching the VSPN presentation that Yvonne gave on Evan Syndrome. Um, that was, what, a couple months ago? That was February? Oh, man. February 16th, I think, is when I had it in my calendar.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was probably... It, <laughs> Well, yes, ma'am. I don't even know. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it was in February. I think it was before everything that kind of went crazy. Um, yeah. Yeah. And you can watch the replay on BSPN. And then I was telling him in, in that conversation that uh, I think what we're thinking about doing is um, I mean basic taking that basic and then revamping it just a little bit and then we'll put it up on our in our courses so that we want to get you guys something in the courses so I yeah. think that that may be the first one just because it's probably the most complete out of all of them so far mm-hmm. and that way you know you guys can take yeah. a look at it too which because again, Evan's syndrome is near and dear to my heart. So I am yeah. happy to share that with everyone.
1: And then we did have some other Facebook group interactions. Um, cause we had a couple new members and yeah, we had
0: a lot of new members.
1: Yeah. So we've had a couple people just kind of say thanks for the ad. So we had Margaret McCarron. Mm-hmm. Um, we had Helena walks, wakes, sorry, a-
0: I think it's walks.
1: Sorry, Helena, if we butcher your last name.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, she's a vet tech student. So, and she was, she was like, can I be part of the, yes, you can definitely be (laughs) part of the page if you're a vet tech student or veterinarian or veterinary technician or veterinary nurse or veterinary assistant. Like we don't, we're not discriminating in that. Just as long as you have interest in internal medicine, veterinary medicine, you're welcome to join the podcast group. So Um, definitely. Hi. (laughs) And then Serena Puduleski. And I hopefully said your last name, right? Um, She's pretty awesome. I don't know if you know her. Um, She, she is working on being a business coach for RBTs, for um, RBTs that do like solo entrepreneur type stuff, which is really cool. Um, And she's, she's got a lot of really cool, information on that um mm-hmm. so we're excited that she she got to join the group yeah
1: it's been pretty exciting and then shelby booth i think we already shouted her out but uh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i think because she joined
0: last or the last time yeah but it's cute because so. um she said thanks for the shout out and we're like we're gonna shout you out again it's cool it's she shared a, a wonderful <laughs> picture of
1: like a foreign body that she had scoped out to oh, as well God.
0: It's so I funny because it.
1: it's a little frog thing. Oh my God. Is, is that one of those, like, little finger puppets you used to get his kids? I don't know. Maybe. That's kind of what know, it looks like. don't but it's
0: hilarious.
1: Yeah. I love it. <laughs> so, yeah, so I
0: think she, um, it was her first form body scope, so she was super excited, and she showed us the picture of the, the frog, which is awesome.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then Kat Nowers, um, she's recruiting for hospitals after 30 years of being on the floor. So that's... <sighs> Got off the floor, right?
0: You're you, you graduated.
1: <laughs> that's like that's like retiring from yeah. veterinary technology. We do short
0: DM shifts now, but we're we're off the floor. Yeah, that's my yeah. that's my end game is I'd like to be off the floor at some point. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. And then we have a Emily Peplo, she is a radiology technician, radiology, wow, radiation man. therapy technician. That's really cool. Yeah. So that's really, really cool. She says she gets to see so many neat cases. So I it's know, nice. I, we're getting really... such a nice mixture of like right technicians. Like we're not getting just internal met.
0: Well, like, and I, yeah. And it's in it. And like I said, you know, it is anywhere from students to, we had some veterinarians that are, you know, following the podcast and stuff. So it's, it's really cool. It's been, it's been fun seeing everybody you know, interacting. And I don't know about you, but I feel like my brain is finally at a place where I can almost get back to normal and start looking or start listening to some of the podcasts that I normally Mm -hmm. do again. I feel like there was probably three or four weeks where my brain was just so overloaded that I was listening to Disney music <laughs> <laughs> or, <laughs> or I have a station on my Pandora that's like beats for studying where it's like no mute, no words whatsoever. And I'm like, nope.
1: See, and I good. hardly listen to anything because like I normally listen to stuff when I drive. I, yeah. I did bail on my family the other morning and like my chiropractor is like super great. He was like, mm. whenever you want to come work out and like use my equipment, just let me know. And I was like, so I texted him one morning and I was like, I need a break. I need mm. to go work out. <laughs> and like so he let me come to his office and like work out um because his the reception is there she's super awesome too and so she like let me in and let me do stuff and I was like that was the one hour I've had to listen to like music by myself mm. since for the last seven weeks because normally I listen to like podcasts and stuff on my drive to work and
0: you haven't been doing that no I'm, I'm still doing that so I still get to use my brain which can I have a happy medium like I'm. I'm not sure. I want seven weeks at home by with by myself slash with my kids.
1: <laughs> not that yeah. I maybe like one or two, maybe like one or two.
0: <laughs> yeah, like a
1: vacation.
0: Yeah. Not not a life sentence. Is you know. Yeah, it's been again it's been a little tough. I feel bad for all the parents out there.
1: It's taken us this long, but I think homework's finally, like we didn't have any like issues last week. Knock on wood.
0: Nice.
1: I got to go pick up new homework packets tomorrow. So yay. (laughs) (laughs) One more month, one more month of homework.
0: Oh God. Oh God, girl. I'm sorry. Again, sorry. Everyone out there that has kids and you're trying to juggle jobs or you're at home and you've got your kids at home. I've
1: yeah. It's going to be super tough when Ooh. I go back to work and try to do homework with the kids. And I'm like, I don't even know. Mm. One more month. We got this. We're almost there. <laughs> You do got this. Yes. And anyway. then, <laughs> I don't
0: think we had any like kind of, I mean, we've talked about questions. No. Um, so. It's nice when other people answer the questions too. <laughs> yeah. We have some pretty smart people in that group. So, right. Yeah. Pretty cool.
1: So this week though, I think we're going to dive in starting with kind of the tip of the nose for the respiratory system. <laughs> <laughs>
0: nice. Um, I think because yeah. we're all upper respiratory this week, right?
1: Yep. Nice. Um, So we're going to be talking diseases of the nasal tract. And there are a lot of things that can actually affect the nasal tract, but specifically mm-hmm. like um, rhinitis, fungal infections, foreign bodies, fungal, um, nasal tumors. And then of course, if you actually like get past the things that can occur later in life, <laughs> there's right. uh, oral nasal fistulas or um, hard palate defects, but I don't really go into too much detail about that. But those are diseases of the, uh, the noses mm-hmm. that we can commonly um, or come across.
0: Yeah. I feel like the palate defects we don't really see them. Like our surgeons deal with mm-hmm. them, but I feel like internal medicine, we don't really deal with it. And kind of similar with oronasial fistulas because mm-hmm. most of the times that's dental related. Yep.
1: Yeah. It's GP. That's why I threw it in there. So yeah. I was like, ah. I say, so
0: I don't, I mean, I've definitely, I definitely remember seeing oronasial fistulas when I was in GP and kind of having to to deal with it or send them to like a surgeon or a, you know, yeah, dentist. but yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. I think I've diagnosed one since being in internal medicine
1: because we did a CT and we're like, Oh, look at that. So I think that may have been the one time. So <clears throat> our anatomy and physiology, um, the nasal cavity includes your nasal planum, which is like the outside of the nose cause you can see discoloration and stuff that we'll mm-hmm. talk about in a little bit. Your nasal turbinates, cribriform plate, which is super important when you do, um, like CT rhinos in patients. Yeah. And I don't think we talked that about the ins-
0: cribriform blast episode. No. I don't no. think I mentioned it. Yeah. The Um, so the cribiform. it is basically the bone that is between the sinuses and the brain. It's pretty important. It's pretty <laughs> important. So, when, so the only time you really know where it is or see it or whatever is with a CT scan. Like you don't I don't think you really see this when you're doing rhinos. Like this
1: isn't that. (laughs) Well, you shouldn't, um, hopefully.
0: (laughs) Hopefully you're not seeing the form. But Very good point. And you want, you know, you want to make sure that, you know, depending on what disease process you have going on in the nose, that whatever it is, whether that's infection, cancer, you know, all those things that can eat away tissues and bones and stuff like that, that it hasn't broken through the criboform plate because if it does, there are certain treatments that we just can't do Mm -hmm. um, because the brain is sensitive. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know? So like, if you see that and you, you wanted to do a rhino, well, you need to be very careful that you're only biopsying in the nose <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. and you're not going further and biopsying brain tissue oh my god that'd be crazy and not to mention like oh. you're flushing water up there and stuff like that so if that water touches the brain like you can cause seizures there's, you can yeah, oh. there's it, a lot of just it. cripiform is very important <laughs> whenever the cripiform is not there i'm like and we're done we're <laughs> <laughs> yeah we've done I'm it where important. we've
0: done biopsies like from the front but yeah. yeah, you know, yeah We're very work. careful to not go further back and then we're not doing anything else. We're like, yeah. yep, it's too late. <laughs> yeah. You kind of <laughs> do like some the sh- palliative
1: stuff and that's yeah, about it. You do like the shallow blind biopsies, like without mm-hmm. sticking water and stuff. That, yeah. But you don't go to, oh gosh, scary. Mm-hmm. And, and sinuses are also included in that anatomy and physiology too, that we did kind of talk about last week. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is kind of what we're including when I talk about some of these diseases here. Mm-hmm. So kind of moving into rhinitis, which every time I think of rhinitis, I just think of cats, but I guess we see it a lot in dogs too. Um, but chronic so rhinitis. Because
0: I just went straight to dog. Oh, really? I think because I've seen some pretty nasty ones. And they've all been yeah. dogs that have been super nasty, but I guess I just consider I guess I them think, like
1: herpes and
0: yeah, and exactly. respiratory think, infections. I'm like whatever. I don't. I think I don't think rhinitis.
1: It's <laughs> so different because I feel like with cats, it's more viral, and dogs, it's more like a bacterial rhinitis.
0: Mm-hmm. I think that's
1: how I divide it up. Um, but chronic rhinitis is commonly complicated by secondary secondary bacterial infection, mm-hmm. and this is usually because primary nasal disease has resulted in like increased mucus production and then like it also changes like how mucus is cleared out of the nose and debris is cleared out of the nose like it just makes it raw and things just can't be cleared out how they normally would be
0: yeah so it
1: just allows for infection and that goes Pretty much for any body system. When things get a little messed up, (laughs) it just allows bacteria to thrive. A little bit of inflammation, bacteria is like, hey, look at this tissue. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Especially when you get all that mucus in there, and like your bacteria is just like, yay! Mm -hmm. And your nose is like, no! And then it just produces more mucus. It's gross. But underlying causes of chronic rhinitis usually are either idiopathic, can be like a chronic inflammatory disease. And so when we get our biopsies on rhinos, like if it doesn't come back as cancer or fungus, then usually it, it kind of like when we biopsy the gut, it'll give us a specific type of inflammation. So we have our lymphoplasmacytic rhinitis. Um, there's trauma, of course. Sometimes you can see parasites, which I live for the day to like stick a scope up the nose and just see.
0: No, I have a extreme dislike for parasites. It makes, like, my glands squeeze and makes me hypersalivate. Like, it's just like, oh, God, no. We uh, we didn't have – so you put on here cuterebora, which I don't know if you guys saw that Facebook video where they pulled the cuterebora
1: out of the casinos. I cannot stand watching those videos. Like, no, I like the I little can't. tiny parasites, but I don't like –
0: it just, I can't, I can't, dude. I like have to like run past that video. Anytime it's up, I'm like, no, no." (laughs) it's just like horrible. And I think honestly, I'm going to blame my parents for this because I think when I was a kid, I watched that Star Trek where there was that worm thing that went in their ear and it controlled them. Yeah. I just, parasites freak me out. Um, I can't handle it. We have not seen cuterebra, but we did see nasal mites.
1: Yeah. That's what I want
0: to see. No, it's ew. So (laughs) I was not there for this, but I heard the play-by-play and I saw pictures and it freaked me out. I can't handle it. But like um, as soon as
1: they see the light, they scatter. I can't like, yeah, no.
0: Yeah. So (laughs) so this is what, so they induced in CT to do the CT for the rhino. Right. And as soon as they induced in like, as soon as they in like tube was in the pet and there was some, I don't, we don't, I can't, I wasn't there. (laughs) They started like pouring out the dog's nose. And I was just like, I think, I, I think I would have like ran out of the building if I would have been there for it. I can't, I can't, I have stress sweat right now, guys. (laughs) Like that's my, that is my
1: kryptonite is parasites. They just, I can't, that's crazy. So you could see why that would cause rhinitis in a pet. Ugh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And then foreign bodies that are not living can also cause inflammation. Yeah. Neoplasia, which we'll get into, but that can cause like secondary rhinitis um, or a mycotic infection, like fungal infections. Mm-hmm. And then in cats, they get chronic rhinosina- sinusitis. Um And usually, like I said, to me, I always think of viral infections, and so it usually yeah. falls along with like acute viral infections. And they yeah, can be, and I like- think
0: of like herpes. Yeah, <laughs> right. They have that flare up, and it's just so difficult to get rid of sometimes. Right, um, and they never really get rid of the the virus itself. It's just whether or not. Mm -hmm. it's activated and takes over the immune system. So a lot of these cats, some stressful event has happened and then they get a flare up of herpes and that could be coming to the vet's office, Mm -hmm. like the stress of coming to a vet's office. And then within the next week, all of a sudden they have an upper respiratory. Well, it's not that they caught anything from the vet's office. It's they were stressed. Their immune system took a little bit of a tank and the herpes flared up and we just get them through it. um, And just get that. (laughs) Yeah. That infection. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Dampered down
1: again. And then tooth root abscesses can also cause, um, our rhinitis issues Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. So basically any of the stuff that I'm going to talk about after this can cause rhinitis, but (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's inflammation in the nose. It's, it, you know, it's just depends on
0: what's causing the inflammation. So
1: yeah. And then when we take biopsies, y- a lot of times, like in most cases, the um, biopsies will show like an eosinophilic inflammation. So like an allergic response. Mm-hmm. Um, but the lymphoplasma, granulitis rhinitis is usually caused by like trauma or some other form of inflammation. So you have your allergic type and then you have your other inflammatory causes mm-hmm. via, you know, whether it be parasites or tumor or trauma or foreign body. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, cats can just have that chronic viral upper respiratory that just kind of comes and goes. Yeah. And usually um, a lot of times I think bilateral nasal discharge is noted in this. And sometimes systemic illness can be noticed too. So you, sometimes you can kind of get like a bronchopneumonia with it. Yeah. And,
0: and I was going to say the, the unilateral versus bilateral is really kind of important diagnostic tool mm-hmm. um, because usually if it's just one side, you're thinking tumor, Tumor or something obstructive, right? Yeah, something that's there, whether it's tumor, foreign body, that kind of thing, versus bilateral. That's usually more of a systemic, or I mean, it doesn't have to be systemic, but I guess body related thing versus like mm-hmm. mechanical, if that makes sense. Does that make mm-hmm.
1: sense? yeah? Um, our nasal foreign body is what it sounds like it is It's something foreign, up yeah, nasal cavity.
0: <laughs> and it's funny because I think. You know, one of the big differences with Jordan and I is I see a ton of nasal form bodies um, because of especially foxtails. And again, we will show you a picture of the evil foxtail. Um, So foxtails, it's it's just, it's, they're evil because they're, they're shaped like, um, you know, like those birdies. Mm -hmm. they're like badminton. badminton yeah yeah so they're shaped like a birdie um so they're meant to go in one direction and they have like these little like spiny burrs almost so they can't back up so literally they can only go one direction um so anytime an animal moves it just goes further and further um and so they just are really insidious because they will Find their way into all sorts of places, including the nose. And and sometimes we can't find them because it's moved through the nose and has gone other places. So yeah, they're they're a pain. And the other thing with those guys is depending on how long they've been there, they can cause other infections, including fungus. Like fungus loves to just Mm -hmm. attach itself to that foxtail and then fester and grow and be disgusting.
1: Um, but yeah, yeah, so you treat the fungus, and then you're still like left with a rhinitis case because you can't <laughs> yeah. find the foxtail. You're like, where? That's gonna it? be frustrating. Yeah.
0: Most of the times, though, you'll see it, and it's like this black, fuzzy-looking foxtail. It's disgusting. Um, versus normally, they're just tan-colored grass. Um, but yeah, like the foreign bodies, I've seen some crazy stuff. We had. Um, I t- I said I was gonna talk about this case during this episode. So I'm excited. Um, we have this adorable, like five to six month old Frenchie puppy. And she had had, um, nasal discharge for like two or three months and they had tried medications and she would get better and then she'd get worse again. Well, we finally did a scope on her. So we did a um, nasal scope and we were like, what is that? And we're looking at, And it took us forever to get this thing out because again, she's a puppy, so she's growing. (laughs) So the nose kind of grew a little bit around the foreign object. She actually had a sunflower seed, like the whole sunflower seed that was in her nose. And so we had to like push from the front, pull from the back, and we finally popped this thing out. But I was shocked. <laughs> I was like this sunflower seed has been in this poor puppy's nose for about 2 months and it was just it was crazy. It took forever to get that thing out. But then afterwards she was like, "I can breathe through my nose." Um so yeah, nasal mm. foreign bodies are, are kind of crazy. So I had this one where a client came in and they're like, "Every time he sneezes, something comes out of his nose and then goes back in." And we're like, "Oh. Wow. Well, really?" And they're like, "No, I swear." And we're like, "Okay." So we, we anesthetized the dog and we barely even like got the scope in the nose, like quarter of an inch in the nose. And we're like, Oh, and, um, we grabbed onto the foreign object and pulled. And I kid you not, it was like a four inch long stick that was shoved in the dog's nose. So every time it sneezed, the stick would come out a little bit and then it would go back in. So we pulled it out and, uh, the dog was much better afterwards. Oh so my yes. God.
1: Can you imagine? Oh God. That would, I don't, mm, I have to do like a nasal. I have an issue when there's sometimes a boogie in my nose. I can't imagine a stick in my nose. Just like, that's what I mean. Like I have to take like mm-hmm. those nasal allergy sprays for my cat allergies So when I go back to work and stuff, mm-hmm. but like, I hate that. And that's just like a light mist. You're like, like, I it, <laughs> like, It's a fluid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I couldn't Ugh. imagine like having something like accidentally like stuck or shoved up and my nose. Just, you're just sneezing because there's
0: something in your nose, and it turns out to be a
1: stick. And then it moves each time. It's got oh. It's got to
0: hurt. Yeah. There's, there's no way that any of that feels good. Yeah. So yeah, nasal foreign bodies. You can find all sorts of fun stuff up there.
1: <laughs> I'm hoping that some of our listeners will post us some
0: pictures. <gasps> yeah. I have, I have some pictures. I can totally, I can totally share some pictures.
1: Yeah. Let's share okay. some pictures on nasal foreign bodies, but <laughs> so moving <that's> on <laughs> nasal fungus. Um, <gasps> so this is usually like a, a type of infection typically caused by like cr- cryptococcus, neoformans, aspergillus, which is what I most commonly see, mm-hmm. and penicillium. Cats are more often than not affected with a cryptococcus, which yeah. sometimes that doesn't take, um, a CT rhino. I believe you can do a blood test for that. I've yeah. had one of the, I've had one of those cases. Um, yeah, I mean, and then I
0: think you can do cryptococcus and asper
1: for, um, blood tests. Yeah. They've been, um, and then Aspergillus is more frequent in dogs, but rare in cats. Mm-hmm. Which, I don't think I've ever seen Asper in a cat. No. Aspergillus tends to affect the delicocephalic breeds, which are the medium-sized nosed dogs. Yeah. Because they're usually the ones like beagles and stuff like that who have their nose to the ground.
0: Yeah. I'm trying to think of, like, all the Aspers that I've seen because I've seen... <laughs> um, I've seen a lot. I've seen a lot. Yeah. I've seen a lot. I've seen them in Goldens, Labs, yep. I had Border a Doberman. Collies. I don't know if I... I wouldn't be surprised if a Doberman. I think I've seen it in a German German Shepherd. So it's like those yeah. long, that long sinus cavity with lots of warmth and moisture where a fungus would love to grow.
1: Yep. Yep. Yeah.
0: Those well, are those are very long. interesting cases. Yeah, I mean it's hard because I think sometimes they're frustrating because the the fungus itself in the sinus or sinus nasal area. Right. So Mm -hmm. you can sometimes see fungal plaques just like hanging out in the turbinates and then you can like biopsy and you're like, yep, that's it. I love when that happens because you're like, it's right there. Mm -hmm. Um, the other place it can happen is it can be in the sinuses. Like, so usually it's the sinuses like over their head or over their head, over their eyes. Um, and the problem is unless you have a teeny tiny scope that can get through the opening from the nasal passage into the sinus, you're not going to be able to see it without a CT. Um, and, and I've actually seen, we had a patient uh, where there was no other like plaques or anything in the nose, but it was in the sinus in the frontal mm-hmm. sinus. And so we, um, we did the trephonation mm-hmm. uh, and then we saw this giant ball of fungus. Like it was, uh, God, like, you know, the big marbles, not
1: like yeah. the, shoot,
0: the shooting marbles. It was like yeah. that big. Um, and we had to like break it down and like suction and cure it, it out because it was just, it was so gross and giant. Um, because if you don't get rid of that giant fungus ball, um, it's just going to keep reinfecting the patient. Um, and, and yeah, you know, they won't be able to break those
1: down. Yeah. And those can be tough to get rid of. Sometimes it requires multiple trephination. Sessions. Yeah.
0: Uh, I think, and it's, and it's hard because it's expensive, right? So we mm-hmm. say we do one and try to debulk and, yeah. and you know, do the best that we can and get them on antifungals afterwards. But you know, if it doesn't work, we may need to do a trefination again, which mm-hmm. trefination, if you don't know what that is, is literally drilling a hole into the sinus. <laughs> From the outside. From the outside, you go in and then you can see into the sinuses and it's, it's not fun. I mean, well, oh, such
1: a sketchy procedure.
0: It's fun in the sense that it's different it's and cool it's unique. Yeah, unique. But it's not fun because you're like, oh my god, I'm drilling into this dog's head. And so, you know, it. And and this is where this one specifically is the is really important to make sure the cribriform is intact. Yes. Because yeah, I mean, it's really important because the treatment for fungus is very toxic to the brain. <laughs> so we don't want to have a non-intact criptoform and just put some stuff in there and just be like, Hey, it's cool. Don't mind him. He might seizure. It's fine. Oh, yuck. But yeah. Fungus is
1: whew, yeah, satisfying it's to get rid of,
0: but it's pain because sometimes you can't get rid of it. And so they're on, Oh yeah, definitely. You know, this oral systemic antifungals for the rest of their lives, which,
1: which then you got to monitor the kidney and liver values for the rest um, of their life too. And people aren't always thrilled about that. But anyway, nasal tumors, I would take fungus over nasal tumors,
0: (laughs) which is funny because I don't know if I would, because I, so we, we have this conversation with clients where yes, a nasal fungus is hopefully not deadly, right? (laughs) Hopefully it doesn't go into the brain, but it's, it's almost like a false sense of hope because
1: the treatment
0: is not cheap for fungus. And That's true, and it's not definitive either. So it's not definitive, and it's potentially for the rest of their lives. So it's just like I don't know. I almost feel like the fungus is the false sense of hope <laughs> versus but see. I guess like I
1: don't know. You know, know what? You got seems so bad. Yeah, yeah. The, but their lives are so much shorter, depending on the age of the animal, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, so intranasal tumors are do tend to be more common in dogs versus cats, mm-hmm. and then most of these nasal tumors are malignant. And they usually are noted in like middle-aged dogs, so like between eight and ten years old. But no, really, sex or breed um, disp- disposition has been noted. But I did find some cool information that about eighty percent of canine intranasal tumors are malignant, and usually two thirds of them are epithelial in origin. So that those are like your adenocarcinomas squamous Mm. cell carcinoma, and then a lot of times an undifferentiated carcinoma, which is a lot of the reports that I get. It says probable carcinoma, but unsure what type. Mm. (laughs) And then because these cancers are so like, they have a really high tendency to be progressive and like locally invasive. So they do just kind of spread within the nasal cavity. And I've seen so many of them go to the brain. Mm. Um, And then usually to like distant, Metastasis to the lymph nodes in the lungs can occur.
0: Yeah, we've we've had a couple of patients where we didn't even do a CT or a rhino. We just did a lymph node aspirate, and we're like, "Yeah, this is we've what done you that." Got. Too. And you're like, "Yep, it's already spread." Um, and it's hard because I feel
1: like those cases are okay because like you can save people money on the CT yeah. rhinos, but like it sucks because like. It's already spread to the lymph nodes that like, yeah, you have a swollen lymph node and I took an aspirate of it and that sucks. That's why your dog's like sneezing and epistaxis and all this stuff. Yeah. And
0: uh, yeah, yeah. Nasal yeah. tumors are just it. And the other part that's a pain in the butt about nasal tumors is they bleed a lot when mm-hmm. you biopsy them most of the times. And you can't just get like superficial biopsy because that's usually like necrotic tissue. Like you mm-hmm. have to get in there and get a really good sample and, and they just bleed. Just bleed so bad, Unit. Yeah, yeah, I know. I keep we haven't had a rhino since we talked about that last time, but um, I need to I need to tell my doctors about that. Is pre-treat with the
1: Unibial before the procedure to help minimize uh,
0: bleeding, which would be awesome.
1: And then we have like some other congenital malformations that we talked about. So like this also includes like stenotic nares um, from brachycephalic breeds, brachycephalic airway syndrome, or brachycephalic obstructive syndrome. Um, and then, like I said, the cleft palates, things like that. And all those are usually corrected surgically. So I don't see a lot of those, but those are other nasal diseases. <laughs>
0: yeah. I, I've seen, trying to think of what other, I mean, I guess I we've, we've seen the polyps a little bit, mm-hmm. um, but that's especially those brachycephalic cats usually. Yeah. So uh, one of the other things that I've seen, and it's crazy um, because it's super rare. We biopsied this dog and he had a nasal hamartoma. which when the (laughs) biopsy came back, we like my doctors had to do a ton of research because it's super rare in, in like, I think in humans there, there's been less than like a hundred cases of it. So how we ended up getting a dog with it, we still don't understand, but apparently it's, so it's non-cancerous. Hmm. Um, but what happens is, uh, so the, the tissues, so it's weird because the tissues are just like overgrown in the nose. And, but with this dog, like, I think they're continuing to grow. So we actually ended up like the only treatment for it is to surgically remove it, but you have to Mm -hmm. get all the tissue. Otherwise it keeps coming back. Um, and it's like this, um, reactive inflammatory thing going on. And it, it was crazy. Like we, we have, we had a bunch of clin clin paths kind of working with us. Cause we were, they were very surprised by it, but um, yeah, it's super rare. Never going to see it again, but it was weird. Yeah. That is weird. We're like, what is this? And then it comes back this like bizarre disease that we had to
1: research. So a lot of, most of these all kind of present the same way. Mm-hmm. So that makes it easy slash difficult. You know what questions to ask, but um, <laughs> it does change kind of what your different... Well, the differential list is usually the same. Each time. Anyway, so sometimes you can see abnormalities of the nasal plane, like depigmentation. Sometimes you can see like noticeable inflammation around the nose. Crust formation. I have a lot of clients complain about the crusty nose. Sometimes it doesn't mean anything, like mm. especially in like your old, old boxers. Um, <laughs> okay. But that can cause... Um, some, some changes to the outside of the nose. Dehydration can cause um, hyperkeratosis and that, that's usually that overgrowth of the the black part of the nose that you can see.
0: Mm-hmm. We also see a lot of um, uh, like nosebleeds. That's what mm-hmm. we'll also see a ton of and sneezing.
1: So yeah, then you also have like your respiratory stirders. Open mouth breathing can occur. It's hard to tell in dogs whether they're just panting because of a nasal issue or or just panting inspiratory, um, dyspnea where it just kind of occur, where they're having a hard time breathing inward. And you mm-hmm. kind of notice that, that sound.
0: Yeah. My, my doctors will take like, um, a glass slide and mm-hmm. put it in That's... front of their nose to yeah. see the fog basically. So they hold their mouth closed. Hopefully they can still breathe. And then they see which one of the nostril passages, like the nares will allow oxygen or air through um and so you can sometimes see if it's one way or the other and then you know with the open mouth breathing that's one of those things like if you close their mouth and they can't breathe they're gonna fight you about it because they're they're they can't breathe so that's one thing that we have to be really careful about especially patients that are also cautions like you can't you can't put a muzzle on them um, unless it's one where they can open mouth pant um, or, like an e collar. So, yeah, I, I love e collars for my respiratory patients because then they can still have their mouth open if they need to. Oh,
1: definitely. And then, of course, you can see nasal discharge, especially unilateral mm. nasal discharge. Sometimes you'll see bilateral. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you can see purulent material. You can see um, which purulent material actually is the most clear indicator of intranasal disease. Mm-hmm. um, sneezing, reverse sneezing, and then just different types of discharge. So you can have cirrhosis, um, and then of course your epistaxis that you can see as well. And then I do think it is a super important question to try to determine if it's one-sided, um, if it's coming mm-hmm. from both sides, which side, how long after sneezing or just kind of dripping throughout the day, is it watery blood? Um, how long has it been going on? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then yeah. if they're doing the reverse sneezing versus regular sneezing, um, those can all be pretty good indicators that there might be something going on deeper in the nose. And then you're sometimes
0: dif- explaining to clients what a reverse sneeze looks like. That's, just, that's always fun. <laughs>
1: YouTube. Yes. <laughs> so the differential diagnosis, so it's kind of like what we already talked about. It can be allergies, rhinitis, um, nasal foreign body, nasal fungus, nasal tumor, oral nasal fistula from an abscess, tooth root, um, or, um, a palate, a hard palate defect, if it's, especially if it's a really young patient
0: Mm.
1: and then kind of going into diagnostics, there's, there's a lot of things that we kind of already discussed, like CT scan and rhinoscopy. Um, but radiographs can also be super useful and radiographs is usually what's done first. Um, yeah, especially when
0: it gets to us because most primary vets don't have CT or rhinos. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So so we do see the x-rays. Yeah. But I found some really helpful information as to like what the different views help you see.
0: Oh, nice! um yeah. because looking
1: at a skull for me is not my forte. I don't know like unless it's like an obvious nasal tumor, I'm like, oh yeah, that side's definitely like not right um, <laughs> right, <laughs> but your standard lateral view is helpful for detecting abnormalities of your frontal sinus and the nasal pharynx and then come um and then if you do that in combination with oblique views, you can detect some dental problems as well, so oblique is where you have your the head kind of not flat on its side, but not all the way up either. It's like a diagonal view. It's like
0: a 45 degree almost. Like that's yep. how I think of it.
1: And then a standard dorsoventral ventral view doesn't usually provide a lot of information on the rostral aspect of the nose um, because the upper and lower jaw kind of project over each other. So mm. what we do is an intraoral dor- dorsal view. So where you pull the bottom jaw down and then you try to snap a film mm. the up- through the upper jaw. Mm. That's especially a lot easier to do when you have dental radiographs versus a standard radiograph.
0: Heck yeah, yeah.
1: Um, and then of course our CT scan, those produce images that represent like thin cross-sectional slices. So a lot of times I think for our nasal ones we'll do like 0.625 millimeter. You can get a lot of like really clear images without like superimposing anything like that can occur in your radiographs. Mm-hmm. A lot of times too, you can make a 3d model on my works page. There Mm -hmm. is a 3d model of a cat head um, that we made (laughs) from a CT scan. Um, and then our rhinoscopy, there's a number of different types of rigid scopes. I have Mm -hmm. two, I think some people have have some flexible instruments. I don't have any flexible instruments that go up the
0: nose. We just got our flexible and it's really cool because.
1: Is um, that how you got in the
0: sinuses? That's how we got into the sinuses and a bigger dog. Um, I think, did I show you the picture where you can see the light coming out of their sinus? Yes. Yeah, I'll, I'll post that one because it's really cool, but it's this teeny tiny little scope. The problem with it is um, you can't, it's it's so thin, like you have to be very careful with it and you can't really get as many instruments and like there's no water flow, whereas a lot of them, you have multiple channels and stuff like that. Yeah. This one doesn't, but if you need to look in the sinuses, you can. Yeah. Um, that's nice. That's nice or for yeah. cats, like you can get into cats with it.
1: Oh, that's nice. Yeah. And then, so there's different types of like grasping and biopsy forceps that can be used through like rigid scopes usually, mm-hmm. um, and through the like working canal where you can actually stick your biopsy forceps through the scope while you're looking at something, you can see it come out and grasp that. So those are fun. I do, I do like doing rhinoscopies except for when we don't find anything. That's I have a love hate relationship with them.
0: Yeah. Yeah, If I find something cool, it's something treatable cool. If not, (laughs) we're searching and it's like an
1: hour and a half and we're searching. Or you do just (sighs) get those like standard like rhinitis cases where it's just like inflammation from like an allergic response. Um, Those ones I don't like.
0: Yeah. Those ones we, I mean, I feel like those take less time because we just biopsy
1: and go. Yeah. Um, Well, we're always looking just in case if there's something.
0: Yeah. We just have so many of the stupid foxtails and yeah. foxtail hunt just takes forever. So it's, ugh. I think it's, yeah, I think it's, I think it's almost foxtail season actually speaking of <laughs> starting yeah. to see them get, they're green right now.
1: So give them a month, they'll be Brown and annoying. Nice. Mm-hmm. So treatment for a lot of these are pretty well, like some of them are specifically ta- tailored, but, um, for rhinitis, it's usually supportive treatment. Um, depending on the severity of the case, sometimes fluids can be given if just to prevent dehydration, like especially for those cats who have a stuffy nose and they stop eating.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Cats are so sensitive when they can't smell things. They're like, I can't eat it. Um, which is why like, which is kind of how I am.
1: Smelly makes it better. I don't, I can't eat when like I'm congested though. Like I, I can't stand to like eat with my mouth open and try to breathe at the same time. Oh, I hate like (laughs) you're
0: you're so sick, and you're like, I just (laughs) have to eat. Yeah, Yeah.
1: (laughs) I don't, I don't like doing that, and like liquid diets don't really help. Like I've tried drinking smoothie, and I can't like drink and like not be able to have (laughs) air flow through my nose at the same time. Yeah. (laughs) Um. So yeah, that's a that's a problem. Mm -hmm. Um. Sometimes if patients like if. I only think of cats for this comment. Um, so if nutritional supports needed, sometimes a nasogastric tube can be applied, um, which I would think that would cause more inflammation to the nose. So I don't know how I feel about that comment. That's like, I, I get was going to
0: say, I've never, I've never, I've never done, that. done a nasogastric for a patient with nasal issues. Yeah. Me <laughs> we usually treat them supportively. And then if we need to place a tube, we're doing like an E tube. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. usually
1: usually it's they they usually most of you can them syringe
0: feed long enough or quick enough yeah
1: yeah like you can syringe feed for like a day or two until like you can reduce some of the inflammation um yeah secondary like antimicrobial. yeah yeah that too yeah. um antimicrobials can be given and then intermittent like use of vasoconstrictive nasal decongestants can also provide some relief to some of our rhinitis patients
0: yeah. And I know we use, uh, we use doxycycline quite a bit because mm-hmm. of its anti-inflammatory properties. Um, we, uh, we have a couple where Serenia yeah. actually works well. We've done Serenia drops for a patient, which is crazy where you take some of the injectable, put it in some saline
1: mm-hmm. and
0: they use it topically, which I, I feel like that's voodoo magic, but
1: they've used it. Um, little noses, like just saline spray Mm -hmm. is always nice. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: humidifiers sometimes
1: depending mm -hmm. on where you live. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) If you live where I live, you probably don't need a humidifier, but Mm. we
0: do a lot of, um, for cats, we do famcyclovir too. So the antivirals, Mm. um, so we'll do like famcyclovir and doxycycline to kind of help knock things out. And then, um, you know, clients will just, like, use famcyclovir as needed for, like, the herpes flare-up kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Versus our fungus. We kind of already talked about how we treat fungus. A lot of times that's, like, an antifungal therapy, mm-hmm. depending on the fungus that you find. So, uh, fluconazole, itraconazole. I use itraconazole most of the time. And those can be mm-hmm. effective for the cryptococcus. And then in combination with, like, an oral antifungal um which it says voriconazole, which I've never actually used.
0: I've used voriconazole. Vor, I was going to say itraconazole and foriconazole, I think are the ones that we use a lot. Yeah. Um, I've used
1: terbinafine.
0: Oh yeah, for sure.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and that those are useful in the nasal aspergillus. And then um, for the topical like infusions, analconazole. So, Enil, like- so those like trepanations that we do, which we use itraconazole for that too, that we use like a combination therapy for, of clotrimazole. And we just
0: use clotrimazole. We do, um, solution and cream, Yeah, but you need to, do. yeah, you need to be very careful with the cream to make sure it doesn't have, oh, there's a, it's like a, I have to double check. I want to say it's like a ethanol based type mm-hmm. thing that's in certain brands, but not others. Mm-hmm. Um, so we use the Tarot brand, which is t-e-r-o because that doesn't have that particular thing in it
1: i think yeah because i know we use like off-brand we don't yeah like
0: you can find the off-brand but you just need to be very careful that it doesn't have yeah i'm gonna look it up uh i can't remember the exact name of it because the problem with that particular ingredient is if for some reason the cribriform is not intact um and, and maybe you just didn't pick up on it it can actually it it, that ingredient is so irritating. It definitely causes seizures. Um, so we just stay away from that particular ingredient because it also causes a lot of like irritation and, um, issues post-op. Uh, so we just make sure that, um,
1: if you're using it, you use the brand without that, um, ingredient. Yeah, exactly. And then, which I did have the success rate. So usually 50%, um, have a success rate, after the first treatment and usually 90% with two treatments. Um, and obviously like reinfection or relapse can occur after those trephination treatments.
0: Yeah. And the problem with it is, um, we, a lot of times these fungus just live in the environment. And mm-hmm. so, you know, depending on where they are, you know, they could just pick it up from their backyard or in their house or wherever it is. And so, yes, we may treat it, but they may get reinfected just yep, from exactly. depending on where they got it in the first place. So I think
1: that's the frustrating part about fungus. Yeah. Um, nasal tumors are dependent on the tumor type, but radiation right. therapy is usually what's going to really at least shrink, shrink it. the tumor. Yeah, um, And obviously, again, I don't work for oncology, so I don't know other therapies that are out there, but I know that a lot of our nasal patients who just kind of want to do like what they can
0: just like Dude, palliative stuff. Yeah.
1: I think it's like paroxicam and union and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I already said that like oral nasal fistulas and, and palate defects are usually surgical correction. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of times with most of these cases, animals that don't respond to medical therapy usually require like some sort of surgery, whether it be a sinusotomy, uh, rhinotomy, lavage, or a true biopsy a true biopsy just to establish like a definitive diagnosis. I
0: have never seen a patient get a sinusotomy or rhinotomy. That sounds
1: scary. Yeah. I've seen like lavages done, but. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. I've never seen anything else. And I've seen clinics do like blind biopsies of the nose.
0: Mm -hmm. I've done a blind biopsy. Like if you can't, we usually start with rhino yeah. And we're like, Oh, we can't see anything. All right. We're just going to biopsy in here kind of thing. Like, yeah, yeah. Measure. So, I just, yeah. Measure, me- <laughs> measure. Like, how <laughs> far do I need to go? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so client communication with nasal disease, I think, uh, just monitoring to see like how the patient's doing, you know, are they sneezing less or, um, you know, is the bloody discharge less? Are they eating better? Those kinds of things. Um, also depending on what medications we start them on um, just because some of these are liver and kidney toxic medications, just making sure, you know, they don't start showing signs of kidney disease or liver disease. So increased drinking, increased urination, um, vomiting, lethargy, those kinds of things. Cause we'll need to see them sooner rather than later to make sure, Mm -hmm. you know, they're
1: tolerating drugs. Um, I think it's important too, to tell clients that no matter whether it be like, um, fungus or rhinitis or something with the nose, recurrence is actually pretty high and pretty likely, mm-hmm. which people don't think they're like, well, the dog was better. And six months later now all the symptoms have come back. Well, I mean, that's kind of to be expected because something triggered inflammation within the nose again.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, <laughs> yeah. And, and we, it, you want to be really careful with client communication too, because we've, I've had a couple of patients or not patients, it's the clients, It's not the patients. Um, a couple of clients that don't understand that a lot of times with these patients, this, the, the, the drug therapy is either a very long, long course of drug or it's going to be for the rest of their lives. Um, and then they just like stop after like one or two refills because they're like, Oh, it's better. Well mm-hmm. now the sneezing's back. And Oh, guess what? That fungus that we trephined three months ago and you never filled your medications. Well now it's back just as bad as it was before because we didn't get rid of it because we let, you know, it lapse on medications. So I think client communication, just letting them know it is frustrating, but, you know, we try to minimize symptoms as much as we can. We hope to get rid of things. Like, obviously if it's a foreign body, we hope to get rid of it. Um, but you know, some of these other ones, you know, quality of life is definitely a communication that, that a lot of times we're having with these clients. Mm -hmm.
1: It's the tip of the week. Which I think kind of leads into our tip of the week, just trying to explain to clients the need for step-by-step diagnostics, whether it be just kind of starting with a medication trial, leading into x-rays, repeating x-rays, which might lead to a a CT scan and rhino or a referral. Um, so it can be expensive. Mm -hmm. Including the treatment. Yeah,
0: exactly. To go along with this tip of the week, um, when you're talking to your clients, uh, also give them like the information for GoodRx.com. Yes. Um, because like, especially like the fungal treatments, some of them are really expensive and they're human and blah, blah, blah. So I like to tell my clients about good rx because they can find first of all, which pharmacy is going to have it least expensive. And some pharmacies will still take the coupons, even if they're pets, um, mm-hmm. not all of them, but some of them do. And that can really help them long-term as far as, you know, how expensive medications are. Yeah. Yeah. And we can go in depth on some of these specifically at some other point, but Mm -hmm. we wanted to start the conversation, get a lot of stuff out there. And, and yeah, there, there's a lot of differentials when we're talking about the nose, but, um, just making sure that we use, you know, the questions and, and try to get in-depth history on, on these patients. And then, you know, how do we talk to the clients afterwards about expenses and, and all that? It's, it's an important part of our job, so. Definitely. And now for the question
1: of the week. So our question of the week is kind of a two-parter. So what is an interesting nasal case you've seen, whether it be a specific, like, nasal tumor, foreign body, fungus, um, weird rhinitis case, and what is the craziest thing that you have found in a nose? Again, whether it be a tumor crazy or tumor someone or, or someone a foreign someone. body. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and we'll post the question of the week on Facebook as well. So people can answer there, but if you also want to go to our internal medicine for vet techs page and go to the show notes, you can answer the question there. Um, we love hearing from everybody. Plus again, I like pictures. I like seeing cool <laughs> stuff. Um, so yeah. I'm going to
0: see which pictures I can find of some of these. Cause I I've definitely taken pictures so I can, I can show Cause I love pictures of things. So. Cool. And I think the resources we'll post in there again, Merck manual. Um, we, we use that. And then I think Vin, mm-hmm. um, cause Vin's, Vin's
1: just, it's awesome. Vin. Yeah. <laughs> Vin and then of the course, thing. <laughs> of course the small animal internal medicine Bible I used. Excel. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm always, I mean like, do we never, have to really say? No, this? I don't think so
0: but let's do it just in case this is your first time ever listening to Jordan and I ever. (laughs) (laughs) It's a small animal internal medicine for veterinary technicians and nurses, which is funny because I have it right next to me right now as I'm working on other projects.
1: (laughs) Cool. All right. Well, I think that wraps up this episode. Thank you everybody for listening so much. Um, can't wait to talk to you next week and we will, shout you
0: out then yeah so everybody keep getting your learn on you got some spare time your brain isn't so tired anymore let's let's be the rock star technicians that we are
1: yes. all right jordan
0: <laughs> bye. bye thank you for listening to today's episode of the internal medicine for vet techs podcast If you like what you heard, we'd love for you to share with someone you think might enjoy the podcast and make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Want to give us a boost? Please leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher and we'll be sure to say thank you. Find out everything about us at internalmedicineforvettex.com. Talk to you next week. Bye.